Minister, great to be with you. I've got my clock here, so um, I'm going to keep my eye on the time. And uh, today I'm going to be talking a little bit about having a road trip, going on a road trip, and what sort of song do we want for our journey. I'm going to be speaking from Psalm 121. Now, if you Google best road trip songs, which I was doing yesterday, um, there's, a, there's a, actually there's quite a lot of good road trip songs out there, but there's a top 50. And um, the, first two, the first three, I'm going to tell you what they are, just in case you're going on a long road trip and you want to know what soundtrack to have. Number one is a gem. It is Bruce Springsteen's Born to Run. Anyone? You're all too young, obviously, to know about that song. Obviously. Actually, it's a song for my youth, so I was really happy about that. Number two is Prince, Little Red Corvette. Anyone remember that? The young people among you are going like, who are these people? I have no idea who they are. This, this list must have been done by a middle-aged person, because young people would not know these songs. And number three is White Snake, Here I Go Again. I have to say, they are classic songs. So if you want to just broaden your musical experience, go home and Google them. If you remember nothing else from my sermon, you know the, first, the top three songs. So if you're going on a long journey, you want to have a song, a good song, or a good podcast, or music to accompany you. And you know, if I'm going somewhere in the car, I, I always sort of think ahead and think about that. But Psalm 121 is a song for a journey. It's a song for a journey because it sits in a series of psalms in the Bible called the Songs of Ascent, which means these are songs for journeys. They're songs for pilgrimage. They're songs which the Israelites would have sung to themselves and each other as they were going on pilgrimage to Jerusalem. So the song, the, the psalm that I'm going to read to you in a minute is a song for a journey. And uh, they would have sung them, it would have reminded them of who God was, what he had done, what he was going to do when their faith was floundering, it would have spurred them on. So um, yeah, that's, that's where we're going. Now, like probably most of you, I have had some interesting journeys in my time. I'm going to enlighten you. I've had a few, a few very memorable ones. There was a time when I was on a mission trip in the Philippines, and I was, this is always a good one, it shocks people, I was held up at gunpoint Seriously, I was. I know I can laugh about it now, but obviously I wasn't at the time. And um, I was robbed at gunpoint and knife point, and they took all my money and my wedding ring. That was mean, wasn't it? Very mean. Um, there was the painful journeys to the hospital in labour. Anyone can relate to that? Oh, yes, yeah, speed bumps. Out. Um, those journeys, but you know, they're really painful, and you just think, oh my gosh, speed up. I remember saying, speed up, slow down, speed up, slow down. Um, and then, but at the end, you know you're going to get a baby at the end. So that kind of makes it all kind of good. There was the tearful journey that I had a few years ago after receiving a phone call from my mum to say that my dad had just died. And so then I had the two and a half hour journey driving to Devon that early that morning. You know, that was a hard journey. I was on my own in the car. I'd spent most of it crying on and off. There was the journey to Bristol. About 14 years ago, when my husband and I and our four little boys shoved, we all shoved ourselves in the car, packed the gunnels, and we drove from Birmingham to Bristol on this new adventure. We were coming to Bristol, and we, we sort of sensed that God was, had something for us here. And that was like an adventure and exciting. And then there was the journey to hospital that I had to do repeatedly over the last few years because I've been on a cancer journey. And anyone who's done that knows what it's like. You know, you, it's just hideous. You don't know what you're going to find. You don't know what the scans are going to reveal. But you've got to do it. You've got to just set your face like flint and do it. And then a lovely journey was going to the church for my son's wedding. 
that was lovely. On my own in the car, everybody else had gone, and now I was with my ne wet nail varnish driving through the streets of Bristol, thinking, I'm going to see my son get married. I'm so excited. So, you know, these journeys, we've all got them. We've all got them, but they're like metaphors for our life, aren't they? The, the Christian life is sometimes talked about um, as a journey, and I think, you know, the highs and lows, the difficult things, the great things, the joyful things, the hard things, they're like metaphors, pictures of what our lives can be like as Christians. Um, and so that's where I'm going today. Now, a little question for you to hook you in. What, what is your journey looking like today? I'm not, not going to ask you to answer that question, don't worry, to me anyway, just to yourself. What is your spiritual journey like today? Maybe you're not even a Christian here and you're just sort of checking out faith or church. Maybe you're coming back to faith. Maybe you've been a Christian a long time. Maybe you're a disappointed Christian, fed up with God, not sure what he's up to, feeling frustrated. Well, wherever you are in that scenario, the great thing about the Psalms is they don't evade the tricky things about our journey of faith. They don't, they don't gloss it over. You know, Christians are really good at going, oh yeah, everything's fine. How, how's things? Oh, great. The Psalms don't do that. They, they, they talk about the hard stuff. They talk about grief, loss, disappointment, hardship, pain, suffering. And so today we're going to do a bit of that. We're going to look at some of the nitty-gritty, the hard stuff. And so my, my hope is that wherever you are in your journey of faith, there's going to be something that's going to speak to you and hook you in to what I'm saying. Because I believe God's got a message for every single one of us today. And it may be what I say, it may be not through what I say, it may be through something else, but God's got something for every single one of us in this room this morning. So let's read our psalm. It's 121. It's going to come up on the screen. You might, you might be able to see it, you might not be able to see it, but I can see it really clearly here, so I'm sorry about that. So Psalm 121, I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. So what can we learn from this psalm for us as we have this journey through life with God? And I've got three things I want to say because, you know, the three-point sermon is just what everybody aspires to, quite frankly. So here's my three points. The first thing I want to say is trust and worship God because he made the mountains. Where does my help come from? Does it come from the mountains? No, it doesn't. Trust and worship God because he made the mountains. So he's bigger and stronger and more powerful than any mountain you might, you might ever see. Now, um, a few years ago, we had a family holiday to the French Alps, which was just amazing. It was our 25th wedding anniversary, so we pushed the boat out. And uh, <laughs> my husband and my son drove to the Alps with all our gear in the car and the bikes, and me and the other two sons <laughs> flew to the Alps. <laughs> Guess who got the best trip? Um, so we arrived in the night time, and uh, we flew into the airport, and then 
Martin and my son met us and we drove to the house we were renting, which was sort of in the, in the French Alps. But it was dark. We couldn't see where we were going. Well, we could, obviously. We had street lights. But we couldn't see our surroundings. And we went to bed, woke up the next morning, opened the curtains to see something a little bit like this picture. It is not as impressive on here because the light is a bit bright, but it was absolutely, it was amazing. Even my teenage sons were waxing lyrical about the beauty of creation. And if you've got a teenage son, you know that is not normal for them to be going, oh my gosh, look at the beauty, it's amazing. I was like, oh my gosh, look at you. You're waxing lyrical about creation. That is incredible. But it was amazing. But it was awe-inspiring, but it was also a little bit sobering as well. Awe-inspiring because it looks beautiful and the mountains are incredible and you can't help be surprised and amazed by its beauty, but also it makes you feel really small. It makes you feel quite insignificant. It makes you feel a little bit humbled because they've been there for thousands of years and we're just there like that, here today, gone tomorrow. And it leaves you feeling a little bit overwhelmed. But verse 1 teaches us something really amazing. The message puts it like this. I look up to the mountains. Does my strength come from the mountains? No. My strength comes from God who made heaven and earth and mountains. My strength comes from God who made heaven and earth and mountains. This psalm is a call for us to focus on our journey, constantly asking us to refocus, to bring our attention back to the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. God. God our Father who loves us, who made the mountains too. The first commandment, if you, if you could remember it, in the Ten Commandments, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and strength. Our first commandment should be our first priority. Loving God with all our heart, with all our mind, and with all our strength. That is an amazing tip for our journey. No matter what your journey looks like today, whether you're, whether you're like, feel like you're on the motorway and you're hitting 60 and all is well, whether you are in a bumpy road and your car feels like it's falling apart and you're struggling to even stay moving, whether you feel like you're in reverse, whether you feel like you just want to get off and, and forget about it, your starting point for the journey is to recognise God. He is good, he loves you, he's for you, and to worship. And it's easier to say that than it is to do it when you're in the hard place. But worship is always our response. No matter how brilliant life is, no matter how terrible life is, worship is our response to God. And when you worship, what happens is your heart softens, your perspective clears, and you connect. And if you, in the hard place, choose not to worship... And I understand that totally. If you, it, you will harden your heart, you will rest in disappointment, fear will seep in, and God will seem distant. Because when we worship, there's, there's this beautiful exchange that happens. And I don't even necessarily mean singing. I'm not talking about even sung worship, although sung worship is, is worship. But when you stop, 
and you fix your attention on God and you say, I love you, I don't understand what's going on, this journey is terrible, but I'm with you and I'm following you and I'm putting my eyes onto you, an exchange will happen. Now, a few um, years ago, you will know some of you because you know my story, my son died, Sam, he was killed in a hit and run and he died on the Friday and on the Sunday we were faced with the choice, do we go to church and worship with our community or do we just stay at home? I wanted to stay at home. I didn't, the last place I wanted to be was at church. When you work for church and life is rubbish, you do not want to be in church, trust me. <clears throat> Keep an eye out for the people that um, work for church. Because it's, it's hard. It's really hard. But also if you don't work for church, being in church when life is crappy is the last place you want to be. But my, one of our sons said, actually, we, we should go. So we did. But it was really hard. But one of the amazing things that happened when we were at church was that we got the opportunity to worship. We got the opportunity to take communion together. And as we, in our grief, in our confusion, in our pain, as we shifted our attention from that onto God, something beautiful happened in that moment. It was the beginning of our healing journey, which has taken a long time and we're still on it. But it was an opportunity for God to access our heart in a way that he could not do if we stayed away from him, if we turned our back on him and walked away. So that's my challenge to you today. If your journey is hard at the moment, if life is a struggle, if you're you know, doubting God, it's okay, you're in good company. We have, have all been there, and the Psalms talk about it a lot. But worship the God who made the mountains, who is bigger than the mountains, is more powerful than the mountains and has been around far longer than the mountains, and is bigger than any mountain you're facing. Second thing I want to say is you can trust him. Trust God on your journey. The temptation is always not to trust. The temptation is always to walk away, to take time out, to doubt him and to be fearful. I've experienced all these things. I know what I'm talking about, and probably most of you have as well. But trust God on the journey, because he is with us. He is with us. Sometimes it feels like we are, I don't know if you can relate to this, feel like we're in hazardous enemy territory. You know, everything goes wrong. And sometimes it's, I think sometimes it's our own doing. We make terrible choices sometimes, don't we? Sin gets in the way. We fall out of relationship with people. We, we put up barriers, we, we disconnect. Sometimes it's not of our own making. The disaster comes. Ill health hits us like a brick out of nowhere. We get the sack. Or our job ends, we're made redundant. You know, just stuff that is just happens to the, the best of us. Sometimes it's things that we can't really control, like illness or anxiety, depression, this, you know, our, our mental health just is a challenge, things like that that are beyond our control comes our way and we just feel like we're an enemy hostile territory and we wonder where God is and someone, he says this in verse 1, where does my help come from? Have you ever said that? Where, where is God? Where is God? Why aren't you helping me? Why have you allowed this? Why is this so terrible? 
why is my neighbour doing really well who doesn't know you and I know you and my life is terrible? Has anyone ever thought that? Please, somebody nod. Okay, phew. I, just for a moment there, I thought it was only me that had those sorts of thoughts. But you know, this sort of stuff is the reality of our lives, isn't it? Where does my help come from? And the psalm has five little things that I just want to mention because I think they tap into lots of different of our experiences. Verse 2 says, He will not let your foot slip. We, you know, we may trip up. Our terrain may be really bumpy. Our road may be unnavigable, if that's even a word. You know, we may not know where we're going. We may feel lost. We may hit a dead end or a cul-de-sac. We may flounder. We may fall. But we won't slip out of God's reach ever. We won't slip out of God's reach ever. No matter how far we go, no matter how far we fall, no matter how far we tumble, it's not too far away from God. Verse 6, he is with us in the heat of the sun. When the pressure of life bears down on us, when it feels hot, you know what I mean? Pressure is on. How do I manoeuvre my way out of this? The situations are tricky. Maybe when the fatigue hits, we're just exhausted with the relentless sort of pace of life. That those things, that pressure does not limit God's ability to show up. He can show up in, in, those, in those spaces, in those places, and he will if you look for him and if you make space for him. Verse 6, I'm whizzing through because I've got to speed up. He is with us in the watches of the night. Who else wakes up at 3 a.m. in the morning? And everything feels so much worse at 3 a.m. in the morning. It's just the worst time to be awake. And um, the things that you're slightly worried about become absolutely monumentally gigantic at three in the morning. The things that you fleetingly thought in the day, oh, that wasn't great, suddenly feel terrible. But it says he is with us in the watches of the night. You know, when the moon is up, he is with us. In your worst moments, God is fully awake. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. You might be your peak time of day. I think my peak time of day is probably about 11.30 in the morning. That's when I'm at my best. So you're doing well. Oh my gosh, it's just gone 11.30. This is, this is as good as it gets, okay, for Rachel Riddle. But God is always at his best. He's always at his peak. He's always fully awake. He's always fully engaged. Verse 7, when harm comes near, God is nearer still. When harm comes near... God is nearer than the harm that has come to you. Psalm 139 says, where can I go from your presence? We can't go anywhere from his presence. We can't go anywhere from his presence. And and harm and difficulty will not have the last word over our life. The only person that can have the last word over our lives is Jesus. Nobody else is allowed It may feel like illness has a last word over your life, or fear, or depression, or anxiety, or financial difficulties. It it feels like those are the things that are really restricting us, and and they sort of have the power over us. But it's not true. It's not true. Only God has the last word over our lives. Verse 8. He is with us in our comings and goings, in our starting, in our finishings, in our goings out, in our comings in, in our transitions of life. 
when we change gear and things get a bit funny and bumpy, like in an aeroplane when it takes off and everything feels like it's going to kind of like fall apart. Those, those bits of life, he is with us. He is with us in those places. Moving on. We can trust God because he is watching over us. He's watching over us, it says. And he says it five times just to really illustrate the point. Verse 3, he watches over you will not slumber. Verse 4, he watches over Israel. He will not slumber nor sleep. Verse 5, the Lord watches over you. Verse 7, he will watch over your life. Verse 8, the Lord will watch over your coming and your going, both now and forevermore. He wants to emphasize something here, that the Lord is watching over us. He watches over you. You know, when my kids were little, they could be hideous in the day. And you think, oh, you know, when you've got four boys, you, you, bedtime is just a beautiful time of day. They're all asleep, they're in bed, and they look like little angels. And they could have been horrible. But when they're asleep, and you're watching over them, and that was often the time when I would go in and pray, especially after Sam died, I would go in and I would pray over them when they were sleeping. They wouldn't know I was there. And I would pray, and I would just minister to them, and I'd ask the Holy Spirit to come and to heal them. And I would watch over and I would just, you know, be filled with love and compassion for them and hope for their future. And one of the words that the Bible uses for watch is shema. It's a Hebrew word. And it's, it, it means to watch over, to keep guard, to preserve, to keep safe. And actually it's used in, in a way of watching over something really precious, like a precious stone or a diamond or something you've really, you know, you've got and you want to protect and that's the word that the psalmist used. He watches over you. Not from a distance, not kind of like, oh yeah, just see you over there. No, he watches over you. You are precious to him. You are loved by him. He cares about you more than you care about yourself, some of you. He guards us with his life. And we know that, don't we? Because not only does he just watch over us, he cares about us so much that he sacrificed Jesus for us. It's not just like he knows about us and he wants us in relationship with him. So much so that he sent Jesus to die on the cross. He sacrificed his most precious thing in the world, his son, so that we could be reconciled to God and have a relationship with him. That's hard to get your head around, isn't it? But that's how important we are to God, that we could be in relationship with him. And, you know, we're going to have communion in a, in a moment and we're just going to celebrate that and we're going to think about what Jesus did. And if you don't know Jesus or you've wandered away from him, communion is a perfect opportunity to kind of get back on board with Jesus and to say, yeah, I'm sorry for wandering away. Or, I'd love to know you. Communion is a great place to do that. I'm going to finish here because I've got about three minutes. But somebody once said, difficult roads often lead to beautiful destinations. have no idea who said it, but it is a quote, apparently. Difficult roads often lead to beautiful destinations. You know, like probably quite a few of you, I've had a few difficult roads to navigate in my time. I'm not standing here as someone that has had a charmed life. Oh, no. It's been difficult. Sam's death has been monumentally difficult. Facing cancer has been difficult. There's other things that I've had to navigate that have been difficult, just like you. Being a follower of Jesus doesn't mean that we're immune 
from the hard stuff of life or we're immune and sort of protected from stress or anxiety or depression or illness or grief or pain. It doesn't mean that. But what it does mean is that when we, when we have these things come, when the uncertainties come, when the tragedy comes, when the sickness comes, when the monotony comes, because a lot of life is a bit of monotony, isn't it? When that stuff comes, he is nearer than all of that. He is watching over you. He has purpose for you. He has a destination for you to head to. He is for you, not against you. He is bigger than any mountain that you might face because he made the mountains. He's more powerful than them. I love Romans 8.38. I'm going to sort of end here. Because ultimately, we do have a beautiful destination. Because our destination is, is ultimately with Jesus forever. With him. It says this, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Absolutely nothing. As I finish, I just want to throw out a few things for you to think about. Have you given up on trusting God? Have you given up on trusting God? Have you tried and you feel like it's not worked out for you? I want to encourage you to try again with God's help. To come back to him and say, I'm ready to trust you again. Because with him, he wants us to be fruitful. He doesn't want us to shrivel up and be a little kind of shriveled prune. He wants us to be fruitful. If you want to be fruitful, you have to keep coming back to him. You have to keep trusting. Maybe your journey has hit a bit of a rocky, a rocky stage. <clears throat> Maybe the terrain is difficult and you're struggling to navigate it. Well, through communion, there's going to be some people at the back who would love to pray for you. I'm going to be there. I'd love to pray for you. I know what it's like to hit the rocky road. I've had many times to go to people for them to bless me and pray for me. I also felt a little bit this morning when I was praying for this service that <clears throat> I love the bit in the psalm where it says he's with you in your goings and your comings. And if you're in transition, if you're like your life is changing slightly in some way, maybe around your work or family or job, and it's feeling bumpy, or if you think God is calling something out of you to go and do something else, to put something down, to pick something up, I particularly love to pray for you because I feel like God just wants to give you the faith and the energy and the stamina to keep going with that. And if you want to follow Jesus for the first time, the second time, the third time, the fourth time, again, now's the time. Let's just close our eyes and have a moment of quiet.